2: and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University.
3: Welcome, Susan. How are you this
0: evening? I am enjoying this wonderful, quixotic spring day today. It was mm. so sunny that I was laying out on the grass with the goats with my coat off and oh, it was such a beautiful spring day, and I could see this little wild crest with its tiny, tiny little white flowers little crucifixes, and I could see the dead nettle already blooming. And it was just, ah. And half an hour later, it was pouring rain. The wind was whipping around. It was cold as could be.
3: Sounds about like our day. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. We've been having so much rain here, and then it broke today, and I got outside. I was like, I just dropped everything, kind of, just because we've had so much rain. There hasn't been any time to go outside, really. So.
2: Hey,
0: <laughs> outside. Hooray for outside. <clears throat> so I made a list today of the things that I need to do um, before I get what I call fake books printed. And to me, a fake book is we get, oh, maybe 100 or so copies of the book printed unindexed and still with typos. But it's a way to get it out there, to see it as a book, to really see those last typos, to start getting people to review it, to get blurbs for it. So um, it was a very short list of things that needed to be done. So I have every belief that I will have um, unindexed, uncorrected um, proof copies um, at the uh, Midwest Women's Herbal Conference at the end of May.
4: Ooh, that's exciting.
0: Isn't it, though? So? Hmm. Yeah. I'm also very excited that Larch Hansen asked for an opportunity to read the Book and Manuscript Forum and to comment. And I'm just, oh, Larch is um Maine Coast Seaweed, and it's like the seaweed men on either side of the country, Larch on one side and Ryan on the other side, are these wild men of the ocean and the plants. And at the same time, there's these t- deep erudite thinkers
1: mm-hmm.
0: who make amazing connections with things. So I'm um, very excited that he's uh, adding Um, His bit of spirit into the mix here on the book. Wonderful, exciting times as uh, the book draws ever closer to actually being a book. It was a great thrill when I put all the chapters together. I said, book, 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 book. And it said, shall we auto number? And I went, yes. And now when I open the chapters, it doesn't all start with one. Now some of them start with like
5: 284.
0: Yes. Nice. Yeah, very nice. Very, Just very telling
3: nice. somebody this morning about about your new book, they were asking about you and what you were up to, and I said that you have a new book, and they was, were very excited to hear that.
0: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Everything that everybody has always asked me to put in a book is in this book. Mhm. It really it covers absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. All seven medicines. And I really surprised myself by how much I had. Yeah, much. How much I had to say about pharmaceutical medicine and deep medicine, and that uh, I am quite convinced that um, that the information that I have gathered will be very useful to lots of people. And that, of course, is exactly what I want to mm-hmm. have people be abundantly well.
3: Yeah, yeah, especially. I mean. The medical industry is a crazy thing, so we need uh, all the help navigating it.
0: We can Indeed. get. This evening, we're going to be mm-hmm. talking to Issa Gucciardi, who developed depth hypnosis, founded the foundation of the sacred stream, and works with individuals in both depth, hypnosis, and coming-to-peace processes. She speaks five languages and has lived in 11 countries and is the mother of two children. We'll be speaking with her at 9 o'clock tonight, so certainly worth hanging around for. If you have to go do something, come back so you can hear what Issa has to say. She looks quite fascinating. Thank you, Rebecca. You do such a magnificent job of finding um, amazing, interesting people for us to talk to
3: yeah it's a it's my pleasure i (laughs) i like to make all the connections myself so um yeah
0: yes at one point at one point justine said well maybe you should just stop doing the interviews you know it's a lot of work it's a lot of work for rebecca i said you know one of the images i use is reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients and to me just like what you said the the interviews are are reweaving it's we take out a thread and we look at that thread and we understand how it weaves into that healing cloak. So thank you for finding those individual threads so we can understand where they are in the big cloak.
3: Yeah, yeah. and so I was just doing like a little meditation. I've been doing these sound meditations with my singing bowls and just kind of seeing what comes through into my stream of consciousness and yeah, like that's so much a part of it is like reweaving and um those individual threads and bringing them together and um having like that 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 visionary state you know of of seeing like all of these different yeah threads coming together into this tapestry so
0: so yay mm-hmm. you. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. And, yes, I'm happy to start answering questions.
3: Okay, great. We have a lot of people on the line. If you have a question for Susan, make sure to press 1 to ask your question. And our first caller is coming from the 631 area code.
1: Oh. I just pressed 1. Is that you? Uh I guess so.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. Well,
0: what's up with you tonight?
1: Well, uh, I'm calling because well, my daughter has uh, been telling me about you for quite a while. But anyway, I have been uh, diagnosed with a I have a chronic uh, low white blood cell count. It's below the normal range, and um, I was just wondering if you could um, enlighten me as to what I could do. The one thing that I did have. Uh, a few months ago, I had uh, Lyme's disease. Again, this is the third time I've had it. And, of course, I was on, ty- on antibiotics, and I understand that that's, that's you know, a problem when you have a, you know, it probably decreases the white blood cell count. But aside from that, I mean, I feel fine, except that for years I've had this chronic, you know, low white blood cell count. So is there anything you can... You know, suggest one, one of the do.
0: ways that modern medicine harms us is by having us focus on insufficiencies which aren't insufficiencies at all.
1: hmm uh-huh. Oh, I see.
0: It doesn't really matter what your white blood cell count is. What really matters is, are you prone to infections? If you get a little cut, does it get wildly infected? No. Mm-mm. No. Um. Do you get a lot of colds and the flu really bad and it lingers for a long time?
1: No. No, I don't.
0: Well, then your immune system is working just fine, and so what if they think your white blood cell count is low?
1: Oh. Low compared to who?
0: Low compared to what?
1: Well, to their range. You know, they're... they're, Well, not low compared to you. Yeah, Well, exactly. I mean, because that's what the... uh, you know, it's the when I saw the doctor, this, because I've been seeing them off and on, you know, uh, because my regular doctor suggested I, you know, be seen by this hematologist. And um, so they've taken every kind of blood test and so forth that they, you know, can think of, and everything is coming out fine, except I'm supposedly slightly anemic. But, you know, I've been that way all my life. But uh, so anyway, like I'm never deathly ill, um you know, I I had the flu maybe a couple what of years are white ago. Blood
0: white blood cells are cells that go around and scavenge up things that shouldn't be hanging out.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Oh. They jump on bacteria, and um, if the body has killed something like a virus, then the white blood cells take it away. So that the cleanup crew.
1: I see. That's
0: why I ask you if, if you get a small wound and it gets infected. If your white blood if you didn't have enough white blood cells, that's one of the things that could happen.
1: Oh, I see. Oh.
0: If you don't have enough white blood cells and you get a cold of the flu, which is a virus infection, and your body works against that virus infection and kills it, then without white blood cells it's hard for you to clear it so it lingers on. Oh. Well,
1: so that's interesting. Uh, so I
0: ask you those specific questions because, to me, they talk about the health of your immune system and the health of your white, white blood cells. And I must say that's what I am more interested in than whether or not you measure up to anybody else's standards.
1: I see. Okay. Okay.
0: So that said, mm-hmm. um, it is also, if you're not already, um, I think a good idea to be drinking nourishing herbal infusions.
1: Well, my daughter has started me. You know, she's several months ago she started you know suggesting to, that I drink you know uh, the nettles. So I've been drinking nettles, uh, linden, uh, red clover, mostly nettles. I seem to like, I like the nettles and I like the uh, linden, and I've had
0: horse on once or twice. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> Oh, okay. With that, and make sure that your diet is broad. hmm
1: Broad, what, you said, yeah. Broad.
0: What I see is that any time people narrow their diets, mm-hmm. they usually suffer health consequences.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I I think my uh, diet is fairly broad, Um I have a lot of raw, you know. I le- I like salads. I I love love raw food, mm-hmm. um, and you I like garlic.
0: Virtually no nutrition available from raw food.
1: Oh well, anyway, I like garlic. <laughs> I like pasta, uh-huh. and I like fish, all kinds of fish.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. And I, I like um, red meat.
1: Not too much. Um, I'm going to be getting liver. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy calves liver. I used to Good eat it. Good
0: for you. Good. Yeah. Or- Liver is one of the cheapest of the organic meats, and it's exceptionally wonderful, especially if you're slightly anemic.
1: Oh,
0: okay. And heme, which is a a component of red blood, carries oxygen and nutrition to every cell in the body.
1: What did you say? I didn't hear the word. What was it?
0: Heme, H-E-M-E, heme. H-E-M-E, oh. It's part of hemoglobin.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So heme is what's called a limiting nutrient.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: a nutrient that we can't make. We have to consume it. I see. Just like we can't make vitamin C, we have to consume vitamin C, and we can't make vitamin B12. We have to consume it. Those are limiting nutrients, so we can't make heme. We have to consume it, and heme is part of hemoglobin, which means it's in blood. I see. Oh. So you have to eat some red meat to have enough heme in your blood to carry the oxygen and the other nutrients that you're getting from your other food to your cells. Oh. You can eat a really good diet, but if there's no red meat in it, then your cells generally are not getting very well nourished.
1: Oh. Uh, pork is not considered a red meat, I guess.
0: It, it is. It is. It has blood in it, so is fish they yeah. just smalls. You have to eat a lot more of it to get enough heme. Uh-huh. And, again, it doesn't have to be three times a day or even once a week.
1: Oh, okay, because I don't, yeah, I really don't. I mean, I, I stopped eating beef, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. I just don't like the taste of it anymore. But, you know, occasionally have pork, Mhm. You know, bare ribs. Uh, that certainly know, counts. Yeah, and and the liver
0: is all blood, so that counts. That's great. Heme can be stored in the body for about 10 to 12 years.
1: Oh, really?
0: So, it is so critical to our being alive that we have, you know, mechanisms to really like store it. And as the amount gets lower, we use less and less of it. If you've ever held the hand of a vegan, um, or somebody who eats a lot of raw food and found that their hands been very cold, that's because heme, there's not enough heme left in the body to feed the cells at the extremities.
1: Oh, really? Oh, Wow.
0: so those people those, those are literally dying from the per- periphery
1: in. I see. Wow, interesting. So, I guess I'm, I, I, as I said, I do like a calf's liver. I haven't had it in a while, but I'm, you know, my daughter was trying to tell me that I should have. It's a
0: great liver. idea. I'm so glad that you're yeah. doing that. Okay. Yeah. So if that's I just have some nice organic chicken livers. I'm going to make some chopped chicken liver. <laughs> I always do that when I want to feel close to my mom. My mom made the world's best chopped chicken liver. And her wow. one edict was no machines. It is chopped. You chop by hand. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, it is chopped chicken liver. Wow. It's a great breakfast.
1: Wow, breakfast! Wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's great. Well, I I don't think no I don't. Yeah, I never really liked you know. I used to eat you know, a lot of chicken and all that, but I don't. I was never really with the you know the, the chicken liver, but I like the calves' liver. There you go. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: yeah. Wonderful. So you know, look at your diet and see you know where can where can I broaden it? Where can I where can I make it more expensive?
1: Somebody told me about oysters, that they were supposed to be good. So I've been eating oysters.
0: Raw oysters actually deplete the body of a lot of nutrients.
1: Oh, they do? Oh, my goodness. (laughs)
0: Oysters are lovely. There's nothing wrong with oysters.
1: Uh,
0: March, April. So we're in the last safe month, according to the alphabet, to eat oysters.
1: Oh, really? This is the last You can
0: only eat oysters in a month that contains the letter R.
1: Oh really? Oh,
0: <laughs> oh. It means that the hot months, May, June, July, and August, you don't eat oysters because they're li- very likely to be spoiled.
1: I see. Okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't have them last summer. I started eating them last fall. Yeah. Because somebody was telling me they're good for the. I don't know who. I don't even know who told me this. You know about the white blood cells. You know. So I. So. Uh, you know, occasionally I go out and. Um, and eat a you know, a half a dozen or a dozen. Yeah.
0: No problem. I just know that they that they something about raw oysters that draws down nutrition in the body. Oh there's really okay. interesting uh debate that I took part in called Raw versus Cooked and it's on YouTube, so if you're interested you might want to stop by there and watch part
1: of it. Oh, okay, on YouTube, okay.
0: Raw versus cooked debate.
1: Okay, raw versus cooked. All right. Okay.
0: All right. Green Blessings, thanks for your call.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. Okay. Have a good (laughs) night. Bye-bye.
3: The next caller is coming from the 787 area code. Hi, Susan.
0: Hi.
6: Hi. That was really interesting about the oysters. Why why is it again that you can't have it from May to August? Because Because those months are hot. Hot? So even if the oyster is cooked, like in a soup, like added to a clam chowder, it's not recommended? We were
0: talking about raw oysters, weren't we, she and I?
6: Yeah, right, right. So just raw. Don't have it raw
0: in those months. Unless you're right there where the oysters are being harvested, right?
6: Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you for that um, information. Okay, so I'm calling because I'm having trouble losing weight. I um. I drink the Nourishing Herbal Infusions. I have a very broad diet. I've been exercising. I go to the gym five times a week. I run. um, I do sprints. Like, I run for, like, a minute, then walk for 30 seconds. So I run, walk, run, walk maybe 30 minutes and maybe about two miles. And I do, like, a couple of bar classes or strength, um, like, weightlifting. Um, And... I have not lost weight, so I'm not sure, like, what, if there's any herbal tinctures or anything that I could do or if that's something like um, a health issue. And and the only reason why I'm concerned about my weight is because I'm five feet tall and I'm 145, which when I look online um, for my height, it's recommended that I weigh between 98 pounds to 123 pounds. So I kind of want to go at least to 130. I feel fit. I look good in my clothes. I just, you know, I'm concerned about the excess pounds. Yes. One of
0: the things that is not immediately obvious to people is that muscle weighs more than fat. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you go to the gym a lot and work out a lot, it's almost impossible to lose weight because you're gaining muscle. Mhm. And muscle weighs more than fat. So a strategy for losing weight would not necessarily be to go to the gym a lot.
6: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I like working out. So it's kind of like, ah, like, do well, I? Well, I'm
0: not saying you shouldn't do it.
6: Okay. No, 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 I, I'm,
0: I'm, I am not convinced that there is something wrong with how much you weigh.
6: It's just a number on a scale again, my concern more is it's because like how they give an like you should weigh this for your height, so that's more of my of my concern
0: okay. I understand I completely understand we very much are encouraged to judge ourselves against normative standards which may or may not have any direct bearing on personal health. We simply don't know that you're not measuring up to what's in that chart is actually for you a health problem. For the person who is eating a very poor diet, it is a health problem. One of the things that seems important to me is that we remember that modern medicine is medicine that's done, and rightfully so, to the lowest common denominator. Modern medicine has to take care of the person who is eating all of that stuff we see in the supermarkets that we don't buy. Mm -hmm. somebody is buying it, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Staggering (laughs) all those aisles. We don't even go down. Nonetheless, they are stocked with food, and people are buying that food, and modern medicine has to take care of those people.
6: Mm
0: -hmm. And you aren't those people. So long as you're doing what you're telling me you're doing, which is drinking, your nourishing herbal infusions, eating a broad and varied diet and enjoying being in your body, I truly do not have concerns for your health. Okay. If somebody's five feet tall, weighs 150 pounds, and they say, I spend most of the day working in an office, And then when I go home, I'm so tired, I just sit in front of the TV, I'm concerned. That's not what's going on with you. Right, right.
6: And I'm also 39, so I know my metabolism is definitely...
0: Yeah, you're taking good care of yourself. Okay. Okay. You don't have to find fault with yourself. Because your number isn't the number on the charts. Again, I could be wrong, but it does not strike me that what's going on with you and your weight is a threat to your health.
6: Right. I guess it's more a threat to my image of wanting to be like my old weight before kids, I guess. Um, Yeah. That can certainly
0: be part of it for all of us, isn't it?
6: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Is that wrong to still want to at least attempt to get lower? It's it's never
0: wrong to want something, but if we want something that by virtue of our wanting it makes us unhappy, Mm. then we might want to ask ourselves, uh, not if it's wrong, but is it adding to my health? Is wanting Mm. to be thinner adding to my health? If it is, good. If it isn't, then what would add to my health? And, again, I think the things that you're doing are really excellent things.
6: Thank you. Thank you. Um, One last question. Um, I have amla tincture. Mm -hmm. Can I drink that? um, with? You know how echinacea, you say don't drink it for more than six days if you have an infection. Is there
0: a? I don't recall that I've ever said that, but that's fine.
6: Okay, maybe you didn't say that. or But I know something like after so many days with, like, either echinacea, I think it was echinacea, but I'm not sure, that you shouldn't have it, like, like every single day. Like, for example, St. Jones, you like, it completely safe to have every day if you need it, St. Jones. Is that the same for every tincture? No. I know that poke rocks. Um,
0: right? Oh. Tinctures do different things.
6: Mm -hmm.
0: in the front of each one of my books there's a section called using herbs safely and there are lists of herbs and i talk about the differences between nourishing herbs which can Mm -hmm. be used daily like nettle and oat straw and tonifying herbs like hypericum and dandelion and burdock And I talk about herbs that stimulate and sedate, which we don't want to use on a regular basis, like echinacea and ginseng, and herbs that are potentially poisonous, which we want to use as rarely as possible. So in any one of my books, you will find lists, herbs that are in that book, that are in those four categories to help you have an idea of how best to use those herbs. But, well, but
6: amla, I don't think amla is. Amla,
0: right. amla is an adaptogenic herb, so that would be considered a tonic or nourishing herb, so it's safe to use on a daily basis. It's okay. a gooseberry. It would be like eating blueberries on a daily basis.
7: Okay.
8: Perfect. Okay.
6: Thank you so much for talking with me. I hope you have a beautiful night. Dream blessings. Good night. Good
3: blessings.
0: Bye-bye. The next caller is
3: coming from the nine zero seven area code.
9: Hello, Susan. Hi. Um, I'd li- Hi. I'd like to share a plant experience that I recently had. Oh, goody. Um, I was out. Of- yes, I was out of the country, and you know, I usually photograph plants that I'm attracted to, and I found this one plant. Um, that I thought was feverfew but it wasn't it was so the name of my little story is synchronicity a powerful plant ally and a devilish wordplay so i it was hard to find this plant um it looks like um like i said feverfew but it's not it um, looks like
0: so it's in the Asteraceae family?
9: Yes. And this is in Asia. Um, uh-huh.
0: Oh, the, it's a huge it's family. A- grows all over the world. Yellow flowers? Mm-hmm. White flowers?
9: They're white flowers. Uh-huh. So, last week um, on the news, there was um, a story about uh, disease X. That came out last week, and it's uh, Candida, some type of Candida infection. and also there was, um, you know, the Biden situation and the Pelosi situation. I just found out that the name Biden's of the, the plan, person,
0: not Biden's the plant.
9: Biden the person.
0: Okay, there's right, also Biden's is, the plant.
9: It, but it's it, that's the that's the story.
0: The <laughs> okay. plant turned out to be. I don't, Biden I don't pay much attention Pelosi to that. It turned out to be what? The,
9: last, the name of the plant is called Biden's Pelosa.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. There's a plant called Biden's.
10: Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> Biden's no. Pelosa, right. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. <gosh>. So <laughs>
9: like last week, you know, I'm searching. I can't find, you know, the plant. And then, you know, there's, you're hearing Biden, Pelosi, and. And, you know, taking up space in this plant is like what was going on last week. (laughs)
10: You know what I
9: mean? The name. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my. And, okay, so I'm like, this is unbelievable. And then, you know, they're talking about uh, disease X, which this plant is, like, extremely powerful. Am I right? It's like it treats antibiotic resistance. Bacteria and MRSA and stuff like that. So I'm like, this is just. I was obsessed with this plant too. I took it, I took the photo, and you know I spent days trying to find out what this plant was. And this is to me, this is like a very amazing experience.
0: It is when some when a plant really reaches out to us.
9: Yeah, it, you know it was. It's not like the plant saying something. It, 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 I can't even explain, you know how it, how I was drawn into it. But I was just drawn into it.
0: Here's what Stephen Herod Booner has to say: Biden's is a potent systemic antimicrobial herb. It must be prepared from fresh leaves. Interesting.
9: Does it grow in the United States?
0: Biden's grows everywhere. It is one of the most common weeds in the world. But it's small and it's inconspicuous. Not much to look at, and it grows in <clears throat> waste places, edges, right? So it it gets kicked around.
9: It's so in, this plant is so important. I mean, there you know from what I've heard about this um, disease X, you know, if the thing became a pandemic, you know, they're saying it would be like a, a zombie apocalypse because it, there's nothing that can cure it. But then there's this plant that there's a really good chance that it could cure this disease.
0: So this now I've gone to Herbal Antibiotics by Stephen Harrod Booner before I was looking in herbal antivirals, and this is where he mm-hmm. has most of his information about Bidens. It's also called Spanish Needles or ticks. Right, he says, and a lot of other names in hundreds of languages. It grows everywhere, and people either hate it or loathe it, sometimes both. There are 200 species in the Bidens' genus. Bidens' pelosa is the main species, but there do seem to be others with historical use. and He lists a whole bunch of them. The entire plant is active. The leaves tend to be the most potent part. The fresh leaves are the most antimicrobial, and drying it reduces its action quite a bit. He suggests the tincture made from the fresh plant. He said, finding Bidens, look outside.
8: (laughs) I will tell you that it is not
0: as common as you come north. I I first met it as Spanish needles in Florida. And then have, you know, seen it all throughout um, all of the tropical areas, including Costa Rica, that I have been in. And because it's in the Asteraceae family, the greens are sometimes even eaten as a pot herb. I don't especially like their taste. Wow. Yeah, but look around for it. If you live where it's warm enough, you'll probably find some growing. I hear you. You think that we should all look for Biden's and we should all make tinctures of Biden's this year so that if there's some terrible microbe, we will be ready. Yeah. We will That's be right. ready. Yes, because Biden's is speaking to us.
9: Perfect, perfect. I have one other question. Um, clogged ears from flying in a plane. What would you recommend
2: to get rid of that?
0: It's rare that the pressure doesn't equalize usually within a short amount of time after getting off the airplane, although it can be uncomfortable. Um, In instances where for some reason the pressure hasn't equalized, what I've been told that people have done is to submerge their entire head underwater. And that, that then kind of forces the air pressure on either side to equalize, which is what's happening. If you've ever taken a plastic bottle of water, a thin plastic bottle of water on an airplane, and then taking it out of your bag after you got off the airplane, it was all like in, right? That's the air pressure. So there's differential in air pressure when you're up and when you're coming back down. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening on the two sides of your earlobe. Many people find that if they just hold their breath and swallow or if they suck on a hard candy during that descent, and people are more bothered by descent than ascent. Um, that it helps e- also to equalize the pressure.
9: Okay. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Susan.
0: You're welcome. Green blessing.
3: Green blessing. Green blessing. The next caller is coming from the 610 area code.
11: Hello.
0: Hi. Hello.
11: Hi. Thank you. Thank you so much for all you do, Susan, and thank you very much, Rebecca. It's springtime, it's beautiful, fresh start, and I appreciate your uh, no-blame, no-shame focus, and I am ready to um, leave behind an addiction that I don't think I've had heard anyone speak about on your show in the past, which is Diet Coke. So recently I've been he- hearing you just say about... Um, you know, just liquids of any kind, and overabundance of liquids of, of any kind is, is bad. I'm, I, I've been drinking the infusions for a long time, a couple of years. Um, diet's good. Exercise is good. Um, but it's this Diet Coke addiction. And When you uh, say I'm just quite,
0: addiction, do you have Diet Coke numerous times throughout the day?
11: Yes. I do.
0: And what happens if and, you don't?
11: I I have been afraid to try to have it. <laughs> it's so cheap and it's so accessible and it's so socially acceptable and I could drink it at work and I could drink it at home and I can get it at a gas station and and I think part of it has to do with the story that I tell myself. So I've been listening to both you and Rebecca talk about story and i've been thinking about my story that, that somehow i i need this or i deserve it i work so hard poor me i'm tired um and then i just get into this thing like i really should give this up and it's like no i like this i deserve this i'm going to have this and i'm thinking this i've got a i've got to shake loose loose of this it's just kind of ridiculous and i so i have a question which is um i i was wondering, like, if I make a bunch of infusions, like, on Sunday evening, and instead of making them every night, I'm trying to think about ways that I can change my habits um, and kind of set myself up for success with this. And so one idea that I have is simply make more infusion on Sunday night and then put it in like smaller jars, and then I could put the jars in my lunchbox instead of the Diet Coke and try that. Um, And maybe, maybe having more infusion to drink instead of just a quart because now I'm so used to drinking a lot of content throughout the day. So I just thought I'd call and see if you have any suggestions about ways that I can maximize my opportunity for success.
0: Yes. You've said a lot of very important things. One of the things that you've said is that you are rewarding yourself with something sweet. Yes. And the difficulty is that the body doesn't have a good way to register the calories of sweet things that come in as liquids. And when we do diet things, it's because there's artificial sweeteners in there. And those artificial sweeteners kill off certain important gut microflora that help our metabolism. So it's almost like a double whammy in that our our body gets triggered by the diet soda to want more diet soda.
11: I feel that, yes. Yep, that's my experience.
0: And that makes it hard to think that we could let it go because it seems like, oh, if I don't have it... I will feel really bad. But it's interesting that you haven't actually checked that out.
11: I know. I haven't.
0: To see how bad you feel if you don't consume right. that. So here, I found the article I was looking for. This is from my Healthy Life Show. Um and it's called Your Brain on Artificial Sweeteners. Calorie-free sweeteners confuse your brain's satiety signals and increase hunger. There are two brain processes when it comes to sugar. The homeostatic pathway is directed by the hypothalamus, and it prompts us to eat when our energy stores are depleted. The other pathway is the hedonic pathway, which is controlled by the ventral tegmental area and prompts us to eat when we anticipate a reward. My granddaughter used to say, oh, I'm full, but my dessert stomach is empty. That's the hedonic pathway. And what they found is that Artificial sweeteners are not associated with satiety. They activate the part of the brain that prompts us to eat when we are not hungry, and they keep stimulating that part of the brain for much longer than any natural sugar would. Right. And here's how they suggest that you get yourself weaned off of artificial sweeteners. Use more natural sweeteners. Eat more bananas. Eat more applesauce. Put honey or maple syrup in things that you drink. Maybe what you want to switch from is not Diet Coke to infusion, but Diet Coke to honey water or maple water. Oh. Uh-huh which would be giving yourself a reward, a sweet reward, right? Right. Because I think it's very important that you give yourself that reward. And then, interestingly, it says really check your diet for places that there is sugar hidden in your diet. The less actual sugar you're eating, the easier it is to get off of artificial sugars. I right. uh, my my goal is um to have fewer than three soft drinks a year.
10: Wow.
0: And that is usually tonic water when I'm on an airplane.
10: Huh.
0: Okay. So yeah. So think about what you know. What else you could do that would be, you know, a sweet treat. Um, frozen fruit is sweet and very nice, right? That's really treating yourself lavishly. If you give yourself a little bowl of frozen mangoes and frozen strawberries and frozen blueberries, and you get to eat that with your fingers, I mean, oh, <laughs> what a girl yeah. are you? Sounds like fun. Doesn't it though, yeah. yeah, yeah, so I think that you can really just go cold turkey on it, okay, just you know, say that's it, i'm the diet diet coconut we're done. We're done. It's an abusive relationship, and I'm just not going there anymore. And instead, um, I'm drinking lemon juice with honey in it or maple water, or I'm eating some, uh, some beautiful frozen fruit or whatever you choose. Even chocolate is a better choice.
11: Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: So give yourself that sweet treat. Take care of yourself. You deserve it. And ditch the Diet Coke. Good for you.
11: Okay, thank you. I knew you would have helpful suggestions. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Green blessings. Bye-bye.
11: Green blessings. Bye-bye.
3: The next caller is coming from the 732
1: area code. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi hope things are well with you and yours. They are. Good. I have a question about the nourishing herbal infusions. Um, Can they be stored like the woman was suggesting maybe make a lot once or twice a week? Here are a
0: few ways that you can go about doing that, but let's start here. Nourishing herbal infusions are as perishable as blood. Okay. So, in general, it is best to make only the amount of nourishing herbal infusion that you are going to consume within a day or two.
2: Okay.
0: My sweetheart and I make a gallon of infusion at a time. That's a quart for each of us for two days. <clears throat> So, we make a gallon every other evening, and we have a gallon dispenser in the refrigerator, so it's easy just to get yourself a glass of infusion. Okay. If you make infusion in a jar which you don't open, it will stay good longer, but not indefinitely. And oat straw is going to ferment a lot faster than linden. So I have often mentioned that my daughter will set out seven half-gallon jars, weigh out the herb for each of them, bring a big pot of water up to boil, fill those jars right up to the top, put tight lids on them, allow them to cool, and then refrigerate those infusions. Yes, this means you basically need to have another refrigerator because that's a lot of half gallons to put in your refrigerator. And she drinks the oat straw first and the Linden last. And that usually gets her through five or six days. But in general, what I like to suggest that people do is link it to brushing your teeth. When it's time to brush your teeth, go in the kitchen, weigh up the herb, put it in your jar, put the water up to boil, go in the bathroom, brush your teeth. By the time you brush your teeth, the water is boiling, pour it over the herb, turn off the stove, put the lid on the jar, go to sleep. Okay. Really, how much time did that take? Not much. Not much. And it says to your psyche, I cherish you. And that's part of what I want by having you make the nourishing herbal infusion every night. Is every night you say, I'm taking care of you. You're in good hands with me. That's not to say there isn't room to say, oh, I blew it tonight. Of course, there's always room for that. Or, as I said, you know, double up, make enough for two days. But really, really think about um, the little amount of time that it takes and the big reward and self-worth that we get.
1: Okay. Okay? Yes. All right. Thank you. Great blessings. Great blessings.
3: The next caller is coming from the 252 area code. Hi, Susan. This is Jennifer in the flood
10: zone in New Bern, and I'm having some trouble. I'm pretty sick, and um, I'm having trouble getting my heart around going forward. So I guess maybe I want to tell you what's going on with me physically. Um, About three weeks ago, I came down with what I thought was a flu bug, low-grade fever, aches, headache, loose stool, exhausted. So I went to bed for about five days, and I took Usnea, and it immediately relieved symptoms, and I felt better, and I was good for about a week, and last Thursday, boy, this thing came back in force, and I have been in bed ever since. And I am back to the USNI, which seems to do the job, but I'm concerned that I'm not getting well, and I think maybe I'm not getting well because my heart is no longer okay. And um, I've been living in a pretty big disaster for more than six months now. I mean, I have tinctures of... Things that could make me feel better. I've got mimosa and I've got passion flower and motherboard, and I don't even know where to start. Um, you know, I think about what happened when the barn burned. I don't even know how you put it back together to rebuild because I lost 19 years of permaculture on this property and it's destroyed, absolutely ruined. And I'm trying to figure out why. I mean, what's what's the point, you know, wait for the next storm and I can maybe make the property floodproof, And then, you know, some, some hurricanes going to come with category four winds and take the roof off. And it's, it's really hard for me to get life again. And I don't really know where to start.
0: Life is not about order. It's about chaos.
10: Yeah. Tell me about it. And i tried to deal with that. I really have. But you don't, we don't remotely deal with it. Familiar.
0: Not deal with it. But we can roll with it. Elizabeth Hubler Ross used to say to us You are a stone. Life is a tumbler. You will be broken to bits or polished. It's your choice.
6: So. I'm
10: menopausal, and I know you talk about that chrysalis state, and it really feels to me like in that chrysalis state when everything was mush, that chrysalis broasted wide open and my guts are everywhere. <laughs> and and I have read Elizabeth Kuber ross over the years. I mean, since I was a sophomore in high school, actually, I was first exposed to her. And so I've had a lot of really good thinkers in my life, and I just am having a hard time. <sighs> I I think everybody else is recovering, but I don't think I am.
0: If you can find a copy of Reinventing Eve by Kim Chernin, Okay. Talks about a time in her life when she needed to go and sit in the lap of hell.
10: I feel like I need to just go in a closet and close the door and cry for about five hours.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that she created a life where she could do that, where she could go and sit in the lap of hell. She went three times to the underworld, and she returned each time. She had a manifesto written in blood, a manifesto written in milk, and a manifesto written in slime and mucus. It's a stunning book. Okay. Okay. But what is important is it's all right
10: it's it's hard I hold a lot of space for people I all right to of. go under yeah, maybe it's just going to be it's,
0: it's not going to be forever, and if you want to set yourself a time limit, yeah, I was really, really struggling with something and. I, I had myself, like, so tied up in a knot that I described myself as an animal in a trap that was about to chew its leg off. Oh, God. And one of my mentors said to me, well, just let go. And I screamed at her, if I let go, everything will fly apart. And she said, can you take that risk for one second? second?" And you know, I, you I, was, have to. I was able to take that risk for one second.
2: And I thought that that was very wise advice, because then I was able to add to that one second. And I was able to get the sense that
0: dropping down into that deep and letting go didn't mean I would be there forever.
10: It's just part of this process,
0: isn't it? Yeah. And again... What about my health? Set, you know, set a time system limit. No,
10: have a long time.
0: No, have, have a friend yeah. who comes and gets you at a certain time, if that's what you need. Whatever makes you feel safe and secure so that you say, that's it. I'm going to sit in hell's lap. I'm, you know, I'm going to go visit a Rishka call. Yeah. I'm just
10: gone for a few days.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, so how, I'm
10: wondering if maybe some of this illness, that, is
0: however that works out for you, whether it's just a, you know, turning turning off the phone and, and being in your bedroom or mm-hmm. actually going away somewhere, whatever works.
10: I honestly, I think part of my getting sick is like that happening. It's my body's way and mind's way of saying, okay, it's time to stop and just let it go for a while.
1: Let it go.
10: Should I be messing with any of the listing tinctures?
0: You mentioned a lot of lovely tinctures. What mm-hmm. what I would probably do is put those tinctures in front of me. And if I felt moved at any time during the day to take one of them, I lit upon it and I said, oh, I'd like some of that now. I would take it. And if I found after many days that I wasn't taking any of them, I would put them away. Okay.
10: So my heart will heal and my body will heal too.
0: Your heart is in the process already of expanding.
10: I've heard you say that.
0: Because that's what it wants to do.
10: Okay. I mean, I tried to visualize that. I've tried to work with that chakra. I've tried to visualize, you know, getting all of the debris out and allowing it to be free. And I mean, I can get relief. I'm, I really have, feel something spiritual when I do that. I'm just amazed at how knocked down I am. Mhm. Mhm.
0: It's okay. It's okay to really sink down.
5: Okay,
10: thank you for permission. <laughs>
0: you are welcome. Green Blessing.
10: You too.
3: <clears throat> Excuse me. The next caller is coming from the 360 area code. Hi, Susan.
7: Hi. So I have a question about releasing tension in my body. I've been experiencing digestive distress for many years, and I've concluded that it comes down to stored tension in my body, specifically in my abdomen and my gut. It is hard for me to have complete evacuations on the toilet without straining, and even if I do strain, I don't feel complete. I have just started taking yellow root tincture daily and drinking the nourishing herbal infusions, um, and I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night with trapped gas that only comes out if my body is moved in certain positions. And again, I have to strain to have the gas move. I feel like there is a stricture or narrowing in my intestines, specifically under my left rib where things get stuck and blocked. And I find relief when expanding my diaphragm and putting pressure on the spot with my hands. I really think all this comes down to the tension that is created when I strain and tension that has been stored in my body since I was younger. And I was wondering if you have any thoughts on this and any visualization tools that might be helpful for me to relax and release. what comes up
0: is the realization process which was created by Judith Blackstone and in the realization process you fully inhabit your body Judith was a dancer she was in a traffic accident that left her crippled and she created the realization process as a way of being back in her body and finding her way back into movement
4: Mm.
0: as part of the realization process you can learn how to go to areas of tension and to unwind them Mm. What I like about the realization process is that it's very subtle, and it's very nourishing. The unwinding starts with a little wind, so you find an area that's tense, and you make it a little more tense, but it should not be painful or scary. And I like that about the realization process. And you are always encouraged not to push into any territory that seems too risky to you. Mm
10: -hmm.
0: Judith has written books. I think it's kind of hard to pick up by books. She has um, a CD set out, which you can get through Sounds True. Mm-hmm. in the CD set she talks about the creation of the realization process and she takes you through a great many of the basic exercises at this point in her life Judith is no longer doing direct work with people but she has a group of I believe it's all women is working with people and I'm sure that there's a website for the realization process and that you can get in touch with these other women through that if you want a personal guide
10: mm-hmm.
0: I've been doing the realization process with a personal guide who's a dear friend of mine for about 5 years and I find it quite invaluable
7: Yeah, that sounds about spot on of what would be really beneficial for me, especially the coming back into my body part.
0: hmm I'm glad you're starting to drink the nourishing herbal infusions. I'm glad that you're allying with Yellow Duck. You might also want to investigate or see if slippery illness is something that might appeal to you. Mm hmm. Yeah.
7: Thank you, Susan.
0: Green blessings. Good night. Good night. So we've got what, about 20, 21 minutes? How many lights do we have flashing?
3: We have four callers with questions.
0: All right. Let's see if I can do that.
3: All right. The next color is coming from the 845 area code.
0: Hello. Hello.
10: Hi, yeah. Susan.
8: Hi. Um, I just want you to like. Uh, I just want to do like a, a thinking process with you. I got some uh, information from a doctor, but it was it was right uh, when I was listening to you, so I didn't get time to research it. Okay. This is probably like the fourth time I've called you in a year mm-hmm. about. Um, some very concerning stomach issues. and um, you, you say stomach. If you put your well, hand on,
0: what you're referring to is your stomach. Is it below or above your belly button?
8: Okay, well, it, the funny thing is it's like the whole thing. It, my stomach blows up like I'm nine months pregnant. So your guts, not your stomach. I would consider it to be my guts although when i went to a gastro person they said it was my stomach and i and i said well my stomach doesn't hurt that doesn't make sense she pressed so hard on my stomach i thought i thought my stomach would burst and i i was like what are you doing and she said i'm checking for a hernia you have a hernia but it hasn't poked through and i said i don't think i have a hernia And then um, she, I went there for two tests to get a SIBO test, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, and a fungal infection test. I think I have a fungal infection. Well, she wouldn't do either one of those and tried to steer me towards a lymphoma stomach cancer uh, thing. And I said, no way, Jose, goodbye. So um, I went back for my yearly check with the doctor. I've been trying to deal with this myself. I've tried to treat it in multiple ways, as if it was uh, bacterial, viral, or fungal infection. While I do see improvements, um, every time it, it comes back with a vengeance, it's worse and worse. I have been so dizzy for the last month. I could have swore I had diabetes. Well, my blood sugar is just fine, knock on wood. Um, And uh, the doctor did call me and say my white blood cell count is extremely high, but it doesn't make sense because the other factors that also should go along with that are not there. And the only thing I can think of is... um, uh, you know my body's weird, and I've been because of all the things I'm doing, I'm keeping certain things under control. But um, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, could it be something like a bleeding ulcer? I mean, I would think I'd be throwing up. I did have one of those before, and so we're gonna do. You know, testing on on whatever you know my my new doctor who I trust hundred uh, percent. You know, to, to help me out, I'm not into invasive testing. Um, I, I I had to stop. Uh, I didn't have to, but I chose what, to what stop. What kind of
0: what kind of test can you do that's non invasive?
8: Um things like um blood work which i i you know i know that's still invasive but i i i mean i don't want a tube shoved down my throat or up my butt yet um even i'm, I'm, I'm i don't
0: i not, don't do see how blood work is going to tell you anything about what's going on in your digestive system
8: I hear you
0: I think if you're well, going Doctor, and you say there's something wrong with my digestive system. what's going to be suggested is CAT scan <coughs> with dye. No, no way. So don't, So why go to the doctor? That's what I don't, well, um, I don't understand. Why people go to doctors when the only thing you're going to get from the doctor is a recommendation to do high tech testing. If you're not going to do that high-tech testing, you're wasting everybody's time. If you know right now that you're not going to do a CAT scan, if you know that you're not going to do a sonogram, then don't go to a doctor.
8: Well, I have an infection. um,
0: You have an infection in your
8: guts? I would assume so, since this is the only place I'm having a problem it doesn't sound likely to me I do think I have like tarry stools when, when it's not just full-fledged diarrhea um, it so goes most, back. most of the
0: time you have diarrhea and what happens if you eat a banana chopped up in yogurt Nothing It doesn't stop the diarrhea
8: Oh, um, I've gotten kind of a handle on that And now I'm up to um, I'm like almost back to the beginning Where when I try to evacuate It just feels like Just like a little tiny bit comes out And it's tarry And then like I might have to do that 50 times Sounds to me like there's
0: not enough fiber in your diet
8: I do agree when I do add the fiber, it, it does seem to be the missing ingredient. See, what happened was I was doing better, and then winter came, and um, I was, like, kind of housebound. My orthopedic injuries had a, a problem, and I was stuck on the couch for several months. So it was so bad. Like, I agree. Really Elm is even... a
0: great way to increase fiber. Marshmallow really... fusion is a great well, way to increase fiber. All of the nourishing herbal infusions increase fiber. Um, Whole grains as opposed to refined grains are a great way to get fiber. Beans, even canned beans, are a great Uh, way to get more fiber in your diet.
8: I I agree with you. I I hear
0: that you think that there's some kind of infection. I don't. Um, If there was an infection in your digestive system, I think we would see real symptoms of infection. And you're not telling me about those symptoms of infection. You're not running a fever. Um, there's not great tenderness. Um, the oh, gas, no,
1: the tender gas seems
0: to come and go. The the, well, the changes in your bowel seem to be restorable. So uh, this does not speak to me of any kind of infection at all. This speaks to me of um, what science might lab- label irritable bowel, uh, a bowel. Right, right a bowel Definitely. that is very connected to your nervous system and your nervous right. system is kind of um, freaked out about things yes. and uh, your nervous system gets freaked out about something right. then your guts get freaked out about it
8: i'm suffering from great loss your caller before had me really choked up yeah because i i know that feeling and i i haven't been able to shake it but when i take the things that help me i'm okay but I, it's so hard to protect myself from from all the negative energy, even the loved ones. They don't mean to, but there I'm finding There have been myself-
0: several mass extinctions on this planet. I mean mass extinctions where 99% of all life forms have been wiped out. There's yeah. only one life form that has survived every mass extinction and is still living on this planet, and that is the sponge. The sponge lives in the ocean, and the sponge lives in this way. It takes everything in, and it spits out what it can't use. There's no such thing as negative energy. Stop telling yourself that story.
8: I don't like that story. (laughs) Try to protect yourself.
0: You can't protect yourself.
8: You're right. You're right.
0: Sponge. Take it all in. Spit out what you don't want.
8: And when you say spit out... Spit uh, do it I, I need to verbally express this to? What, the...
0: However, however you spit it out, it works for you. For many people, that just amounts to letting it slide off. Saying oh, that has nothing to do with me. Right. At any rate. I have three other people uh, who want to talk to me. People. Before our time is up, so I'm going to say green. Blessing Thank you so You much. and go
8: on to Thank that. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Love you. Bye.
3: So one caller did drop, so there's just two more callers in the queue with questions. Okay. The next caller is coming from the 416 area code.
5: Hi, Susan. Can you hear me? I can. Hi. Um. I was in a, in an accident this past saturday um i'm fine physically i mean i had uh, like a bruise and um, i hit my head to the back of the chair but uh, the reason i'm calling is um, if you have any recommendation about uh, what i can do to release the tension that i have in my body not yes. that uh, several
0: things. First of yes. all, Hypericum perforatum, which I call St. John's wort, St. John's wort, and some people call it St. John's wort, uh, the tincture of the fresh yes. flowering plant. Um, you can take it as frequently as every couple of hours to help relieve muscular spasms that have occurred because of that and to help prevent chronic pain from getting a toehold.
5: Okay. How much should I take every
0: couple of hours? A dropper whenever full I needed. A, a dropper full. A
5: dropper Okay. A mm-hmm. full
0: dropper full. Yeah. Uh, a, a dropper full is how much you can get in the dropper when you squeeze the bulb. The dropper never gets full. We just say dropper full, but it's not full. Okay. Okay. So don't worry about it being full. You squeeze the rubber thing and whatever's in the dropper, that's full. That's what counts as dropper full. Okay. Okay?
5: The other, the that, other question is... Uh,
0: that's a, 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 something that you can do. It doesn't have to be you know, on a strict schedule. What I suggest that people do is just carry the bottle of tincture with them, and when you think about it or when you feel any pain, just take some tincture. You can't take too much. You can't take too little. As so long as you're taking it a couple of times a day, you're doing yourself some real good there. Okay, I find that when something has really shaken me, that motherwort is a strong ally for me.
5: Yeah, I took that right when I could. <laughs>
0: yeah. Not right away, you, but you're continuing somehow. to feel the emotional effects, and so you can continue to use motherwort.
5: Okay. I, I took just i I'm so glad wrong. that you used is it, you
0: know, right right there at the beginning. That's that's really super. And then the last thing is comfrey leaf infusion. Okay. And comfrey leaf infusion helps us to knit together. Somebody said to me that when a body is in a car accident it gets pushed out of its right time sequence like if you ever watched a movie and the lip sync is just ever so slightly off from the, the verbal stuff
5: yes
0: and it's yes. Not, like it's not awful but it's enough to like almost make you sick to your stomach and she says that's what happens to people in accidents, especially if they're hit from behind where they don't know what's happening.
5: Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, the way. Yeah, that
0: you, you're desynchronized from time and yes. unknitted, and the comfrey knits you back together and knits you back into your time.
5: So how often? I mean, for the past three days, I drank uh, uh, linden, nettle, and uh, oat straw. I didn't drink any comfrey. How often should I drink What I would
0: do in a similar situation is make myself a quart of comfrey, and then, of course, I would rebrew brew two cups, so I'd have six cups of comfrey. And in addition to whatever nourishing herbal infusion I was drinking that day, like if I was drinking nettle, I would also have a cup or two of comfrey.
5: Okay. I would yeah, have some so comfrey. Every day,
0: I would have some comfrey every day on a daily basis, comfrey. but if I skipped a day, it wouldn't be a big deal.
5: Okay. 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 Um, So you answered part of my second question because the next question was, uh, you know, how to nourish the body so the comfrey, I guess, will help with that and all the other uh, infusions. But because um, it was, you know, the, the heat that the head took, I am also thinking how I can make sure that, you know, I I nourish that there will be no problems neurological and everything in the head and the blood and everything in the next, I don't know.
0: I think think a visualization of that, a visualization of the head being open and expansive and the blood flow and the energy flow being strong there, I think that's really all you need.
4: Okay, so no... So
0: okay. when the image or the sensation of your head hitting that headrest comes up, you replace it with the sensation of your head expanding and there being plenty of room. Okay.
5: Okay? Okay. Hi. Thank you so much. You're Thank welcome. You. Your Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, and our
3: last, last caller. caller is coming from the 913 area code. Hi Susan. Hi.
12: Hi. I have two quick questions. I think they're going to be pretty straightforward. I've um, been using St. John's John's Wort tincture and finding that they kind of come in a variety of colors. I know that they um, sometimes dilute those to ship them. Can you speak to a little bit about what I need to look for when I'm buying them? If it's a little bit less than the bright red that you've talked about, is it still strong enough?
0: I always have a big difficulty answering a question about strong enough. Okay. Because I'm not always looking for what's strongest. Sometimes I'm looking for what's most subtle. Strong is the most active ingredient, which means the most poisonous ingredient. (laughs) So I don't necessarily want the most poisonous ingredient. Okay. Okay. What I want in my Hypericum tincture is I want it to be made from fresh flowers. If it's made from dried flowers, it's useless as far as I'm concerned.
5: Mhm.
0: So I want to read on the bottle that it's made from the fresh flower. i, had, I made
12: sure to do that,
0: yes. I had a very strong preference for tinctures in 100-proof vodka rather than grain alcohol.
12: Making sure to get those also. So I will just count it as good enough. I can't wait to make some for myself this year. But I've been using it for the last year. Great, great So you're
0: saying that you got several tinctures, all of which were made with fresh flowers in 100 Proof Vodka.
12: I got them from two or three different sources, the ones that you mentioned on your show. They
0: were somewhat different colors. Given that all those things are the same, the different colors would be attributable to things like... If there's more flower in there than leaf, it's going to be a darker red. Mm-hmm. So some people have enough hypericum that they can just pick the flowers and use that, and some people pick the flowering top that has some leaf in it, and so it's not as strongly colored.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The further north you are, the more of that red oil that will be in the plant and the more darkly colored the tincture resulting tincture will be. Even if other things are a little different, just the fact that you're further north is going to make that difference in color. But I
1: have the,
0: another
12: question? Before the the, time the reddest
0: time. tincture I ever made was from herb that I harvested in Nova Scotia. <laughs> the stuff that I got in northern Montreal was incredible color, too. And <laughs> did you say you had another question?
12: Uh, yeah, a quick one about digestion, if you have a minute.
0: We, yep, we do. We have three minutes.
12: Okay, I've had um, great luck using the things that you talked about, changing your diet for better digestion, eating more cooked vegetables. I've watched the color of my skin deepen and have a greater, like, pigment to it just over the last several months eating concentrated on cooked vegetables. And so I have a couple of questions about that. Um, I use frozen vegetables sometimes. So would that lower the cooking time? Because you talk about either freezing, dehydrating, or cooking the vegetables to break the cell wall. And so how does freezing... Um, specifically I'm asking about beets because I cook them for myself, even from the frozen state. But for my kids, if I throw them into smoothies, does it still count as a cooked beet? Because it's frozen, obviously. But Or I thought about maybe cooking them and chilling them and then putting them in the um, smoothie. But if I could skip the step of cooking them, if the freezing counts for yes, free
0: digestion count, that you're looking for. And I, I, I do not think you're buying frozen raw beets.
12: I'm sure they're steamed or uh, blanched or something. They're
0: already cooked before okay. they're frozen.
12: Beautiful.
0: Okay, so, if that's the answer, and, go ahead. And when you combine, like if you dehydrate something and then cook it, you get more food value. If you combine two of those things together, you get more food value. So if something nice, like was mushrooms. And raw and then cooked, then, yes, you would get more food value. But if it's Beautiful. then cooked and frozen, you're still getting more food value.
10: Okay.
12: Wonderful. Okay. Um, is there anything I could take for digestion other than dandelion? I don't find that it really – my body really likes it. I think maybe you talk about it's warming. Um, and I bought some milk thistle because it's supposed to not be as warming. Um, and I, I'm not telling a great difference uh, from either one. Is there something uh-huh. else that you can recommend? So when I you, mean, when you say else?
0: digestion, do you mean after you've eaten you have distress?
12: Um, Yeah, it's almost – um, it's not every day, but a lot of times lately I have I feel like it's the acid reflux. It either feels I feel it in my throat. Um
0: mm-hmm. and I don't
12: I don't think it's thyroidy. I think it's um, it, And if you suck on Cyprium? Yes, all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: You do suck, suck on Cyprium all the time?
12: Frequently, yes. To um, you know, if the having the throat, the burning, the fullness, um indigestion okay. feeling. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm hmm. Um You might want to take a look and see if that's associated with any particular thing.
12: Like a food allergy thing?
0: Not necessarily a food allergy. Um, I find that many white flour products are have in synthetic vitamins in them and that that is very upsetting to many people's digestive systems.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's kind of easy to slide in because the synthetic Mm -hmm. vitamins are in bread and pasta and just all kinds of places. So just, you know, to to, to take a look and see if there's anything that might be a trigger, not as as an allergy, but something that's, you know, that your body really is suggesting that it doesn't want to deal with at all.
12: Okay. Thank you.
0: You are welcome. Also, um, my sense is that we don't, get as much food value from smoothies as we do from eating the cooked food.
1: Mm.
12: Oh, yes. I um, just have a terrible time getting beets into my kids. I make beet brownies, and sometimes I just have them eat them different ways so that they can like, acclimate, but they're newer to eating vegetables with me. I've really started pushing it in the last year, listening to your advice, because I see how it's transformed my health, and I want my babies to be as healthy. So I'm think that they don't love, I'm trying. hmm
0: yeah yeah what what we find is that um presentation has a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. so if the beets are cooked in a way that's fun and fun as finger food, and maybe mm-hmm. yellow beets and red beets cooked together and checkers played with them,
11: <laughs>
0: right, and then whoever right. jumps gets to eat their their checker um so that that kind of thing. Um, so, that they're, so that they're really experiencing the food and not being in the, in the nicest possible way tricked into it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You're doing great. I
12: appreciate it. Thank you. I right
0: know okay. you have to move Green on. Plastic. Thank you
12: so much. Good night.
0: Bye-bye. And I welcome to the show Issa Gucciardi. In the mid-1990s, Issa began developing depth hypnosis as she entered into clinical practice. Her studies, both in academia and in the field of cultural and linguistic anthropology, comparative religion, and transpersonal psychology, formed the basis of her approach with clients and students. As the body of work that grew out of her clinical practice became larger, she began teaching others so that more people could benefit from the techniques she developed. In order to accommodate the number of classes that grew out of this process, she co-founded the Foundation of the Sacred Stream, which is now a school for consciousness studies in Berkeley, California, serving hundreds of students every year. Issa teaches and speaks nationally and internationally, and she has published numerous articles, podcasts, videos, and books, including Return to the Great Mother and Coming to Peace. Issa Gucciardi maintains a private practice with institutions and individuals in depth hypnosis and coming to peace. She speaks five languages. She's lived in 11 countries. She's the mother of two children, and she currently lives in San Francisco. Welcome to the show.
4: Susan, for having me on.
0: We are just delighted that you've taken the time to be with us. I'd like to start by asking you to explain what depth hypnosis is, since we've mentioned it several times, and I'm suspecting that the listeners are kind of saying, huh, I, I don't know about that. Is it just hypnosis that, that goes deeper?
4: Uh-huh. Well, that's true. It does do that. Um, but it also combines um, elements of applied shamanism, integrated energy medicine, Buddhist psychology, transpersonal psychology, and hypnotherapy into a very catalytic process for self-transformation. I can talk more about it if you want me to. Yes, please I talk more about it. <laughs> okay. Um, and so people come to death hypnosis for help with things like phobias or addictions or Um, eating disorders or depression or even some physical problems such as chronic fatigue or autoimmune issues. And basically what death hypnosis does is it helps people understand that they have their own healing capacities within them and provides them with many tools to help them kind of move beyond the conscious mind uh, way of thinking about things which is a wonderful way to think about things, a wonderful way to organize oneself when you have to deal with the world. The, the problem with the conscious mind is it tends to block out um, things that might, it might consider to be disorganizing, such as uh, trauma or such as um, energetic experience that might belie what's happening um, in ordinary reality or it might block out sort of the underlying tones of, um, of their experience that might not suit their conscious mind idea of how they are or who they should be. So uh, we help people move into an altered state of awareness and help them explore. Um, first, we help them connect with a part of themselves that, has only their highest good as its sole intent, which provides a basis for the exploration of these of the symptoms that are arising. And um, we actually see the symptoms as a teacher uh, that can help us understand what the roots of those symptoms are. And we work with the, the techniques of death hypnosis to help people change their relationship to the roots of those experiences. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a summary, all right, so
0: <laughs> in depth hypnosis, someone helps to guide you into the control room of your mind so you no longer feel like somebody else is pulling all the switches and pushing all the buttons.
1: Yes,
4: that's a good way to put it <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh. Yes, I once did uh, some work like that with a videographer. And, of course, her, her room was this huge archive of all these um, c- CDs. It's quite interesting how, how she really personalized um, how, how she was going to uh, um, be be a different person, as she put it. She said, oh, well, I'm just going to shelve this CD, and we're going to take out this other one. <laughs>
4: That's interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting way. To, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, because as you say, you know, she saw that she was she had this very limited view of herself and she really wanted to get out from under that.
4: Uh-huh.
0: So, no, that, 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 um,
4: working in the altered state really helps with that.
0: Exactly. And you do work mm-hmm. with plants to help to enter some of those altered states, I believe.
4: Yes. um, Well, one of the things that I teach um, at the Foundation of the Sacred Stream, we offer education and uh, certificates of uh, completion in depth hypnosis, but we also offer certificates in applied shamanic practice and in, in plant medicine insight integration, which is a sort of specialized area of shamanic practice for people who, uh, want to help people who have had experiences with psychotropic plants that they are trying to understand and integrate into the rest of their lives. And the work with psychotropic plants, of course, is just one aspect of the way that shamanism works with plants. I'm sure you know as an herbalist how how important um, herbal medicine is to many native And indigenous traditions where shamanism is practiced, and um, and so the psychotropic, the use of psychotropic plants for, again, going beyond the the confines of the conscious mind, and again connecting with resources within the self that um, may provide insight um, about one's experience beyond the sort of filters of the conscious mind is a big part of what psychotropic plants, uh, the kinds of experiences that psychotropic plants provide. At this point in the United States,
0: it's not legal to do work with psychotropic plants.
4: That's right. And um, we don't actually do any work with psychotropic plants at the foundation. we don't we don't run circles or anything like that. we're not we're not we're not ingesting the plants. We're not helping other people ingest the plants. But there's a lot of people that go to Peru or to Brazil or to other places where it is legal to uh, ingest these plants and where they do participate in circles with uh, traditional practitioners who, May really not understand the whole process of integration and how important it is for Westerners because Westerners are coming to the plant medicine from a very different place than traditional people do. And so, um, and one of the big issues that Westerners have is that they are dealing with a lot of complexity um, psychologically, emotionally and spiritually, because of the terrible disconnection that many people have. And we all experience to one level or another, um, the disconnection with the earth. And so this, this creates, uh, you know, depressions or anxieties or, you know, responses like addictions or eating disorders that, um, that really don't exist. So, so much in traditional shamanic practice and, in these places like Peru or Brazil where where these plant circles are held. So people do the plants, they go there and they ingest the plants, but then they don't really have a way to understand what the plants are showing them. And sometimes that can be just a little disorienting. Sometimes that can just be a little disturbing. Sometimes that can be wonderful and marvelous and like a whole new world opens up. And sometimes it can be, you know, very strongly um, uh, harm, you know, feels harmful to them. So we are trying to help people learn how to help other people integrate their experience with the plants. And uh, we take them through uh, shamanic education from the very beginning to very advanced practices. And we actually um, have them also take the Depth Hypnosis Foundation course as part of that because Many of the processes in depth hypnosis are very, very helpful for integrating experience that one has um, with any kind of transpersonal or transcendent experience, whether it's mediated by plants or whether it is is a product of meditation or dreams or um, something called the shamanic journey, which is a, a process of altering the state of awareness with the sound of a drum or a rattle or other sonic driver. So um, the plant medicine insight integration certificate helps people um, be able to integrate their experience so that they can apply the insights and the lessons that the plants are providing to the rest of their life. And so that they they don't feel that there's a a sort of a, a, a gap between, oh, that's Insight and that understanding, that spirit, and this is daily life. You know, we want to help them integrate the the tremendous amount of um, information that can be had with the use of plants into their daily lives, so that they can live happier, fuller, more connected lives within their everyday community.
0: Yes. And what I see a lot is that people go far away to what to them is an exotic culture and have this experience. And then when they return home, um, there's not just the disconnect from nature, but there's the disconnect from their own life. Right. That's, that why you that need somehow in order to have this, this a, a, a psychotropic experience, you can't be at home. And this, you know, plays into the deep schism in Judeo-Christianity of um, looking for the sacred outside yourself. And I'm getting the sense from what you're saying that your shamanic practices and your deep hypnosis um, revolve around imminence, revolve around people understanding that the sacred wells up from within them. It isn't something they have to seek outside.
4: Exactly. Both, both processes are a process of gnosis, you know, where it is the wisdom within that emerges through the different um, in, in, in encounters um, with the world beyond the conscious mind. That's right.
0: Would you let people know the best way to get in touch with you?
4: Sure. We have um, we have several websites. We have sacredstream.org. That's S A C R E D S T R E A M dot org. Sacredstream.org, and we also have appliedshamanism.org. That's A P P L I E D S H A M A N I S M dot org. And um, there's also another website, depthhypnosis.org, D-E-P-T-H-H-Y-P-N-O-S-I-S.org. All three websites have plenty of information, lots of videos, lots of articles, lots of podcasts um, about plants and and working with plants, about uh, a shamanic practice generally, and about depth hypnosis and the types of uh, processes that it works with so uh, people would uh, you know will probably find something that will pique their interest in, in working with the plants and um, if they are thinking about working with the plants I'm also going to be teaching Susan a class online um, on this Sunday um, on integrating and preparing for plant medicine. And that might be a class that people might really be interested in because it gives an overview of all of the different types of plants that uh, can be ingested and the cultures that they grow in. And then it, it talks about you know, the best ways of approaching the plant and the best ways of understanding um, the types of experiences that come out of the experience with the plants. So um, it's a really helpful class, for instance, for someone who's thinking about going uh, to Brazil or to Peru or another place where it's it's legal to ingest psychotropic plants, and um, to just to help them, you know, understand how they can focus their intention, how they can learn how to pay attention to their dream dream life as um, they're preparing to work with the plants. Um, that might be. Yeah, very helpful thing. It's from uh, 12 to 5 on this Sunday, April, I think that's April 14th, right? Um, and um, it's, um, again, it's on Zoom, and you can register at sacredstream.org. I just want to check and see if that really is, uh, Sunday really is the 14th. I'm kind of, I just came off, of, Susan, I just came off of seven days of teaching 10 hours a day, and um, I'm a little bit outside of time myself right now. (laughs) Yes, yes, the 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 14th is a Sunday.
0: Yes, Yes, that's right. Excellent. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Okay, wow. That's so exciting. Thank you for making that available to people. I want to talk a little bit about coming to peace.
5: Yes. Yes, coming to peace
0: is that is a a book that you have, and it's also a a process or a program. Could you, could you fill us in on that, please?
4: Sure, coming to peace is uh, a process of conflict resolution that is um, the at the heart of depth hypnosis. When we work with families or communities, Um, it's a process of resolving conflict that is actually drawn from um, several different indigenous. Ways of peacemaking. We we work with um, the methods that or um, uh, we draw upon the methods, for instance, of Ho'oponopono, which is a method of conflict resolution throughout the Pacific Islands. We also work with the principles of Ubuntu, which is a process of conflict resolution that became well known in the post-apartheid era when the Truth and Reconciliation. Uh, uh, courts or not really trials but you know meetings were held and ubuntu is a process of conflict resolution that's been used in africa throughout southern africa for millennia and um, we also draw on the principles of peacemaking from the iroquois uh, league uh, federation and um all of the interesting thing, you know, I mentioned these three different traditions from three completely different parts of the world, and the really interesting thing is that they all have almost identical forms of conflict resolution, and those, uh, the, and this is the interesting thing, actually, about shamanic work in general, is that you often see, especially, uh, for instance, in working plants, Um, in general, um, but also specifically with plants, you will find the use of plants uh, that are the the method for working with them is very similar. So, for instance, I'm sure you know, um, like, yarrow, and it's used to heal wounds across the globe, wherever it grows, right? Yes. And, um, right, it's so interesting to see. And, for instance, wormwood or all the artemisias, they're, they are always uh, they are used as uh, anti-parasitics and when ingested but then planted around the um, habitation that's used to ward off evil spirits right so um, it's so interesting to see these these commonalities in shamanic practice and coming to peace draws upon these commonalities. Um, that uh, from a shamanic perspective are understood to be a result of the fact that the teacher in all shamanic practice is a common teacher and that teacher is the earth And so um, in coming to peace, there are several um, important processes that are are part of the of the work. Um, probably the most important is that, As people sit down to resolve conflict, they are asked to, again, go within and connect with the resources. Um, In a hypnotherapeutic process, we help them connect with resources within them that will help them understand their own truth and be able to speak their truth. And then we have um, a process where everyone is given the time and space to speak their full understanding of what is happening Um, and there's no interruption that is allowed and everyone um, and the way that is managed is with a talking stick or a talking stone that's passed from person to person and only the person who has the stick or the stone may speak and one of the wonderful things about coming to peace is that it creates a sense of equality among all the members, one of the things that happens, as you know, in family systems is they you know, the parents can be like the ones that are in charge, for instance, and they're the ones that get to call a shot. And often they don't always listen to the effect that that's having on their children. And so their children have the same equality, the same airtime as the parents. And that, it sounds like a simple thing, but it's a radical thing. And um, that's also true when we work with coming to peace in business settings. Often bosses have more airtime than employees. And with coming to peace, everyone has an equal amount of airtime. And everyone is asked to have mutual respect for one another, um, to have a commitment to personal responsibility to hold their own and other people's experience with compassion and tolerance and patience, and everyone is asked to engage. You don't get to disconnect. You have to be part of the process. So these are all of the different aspects of uh, coming to peace as a conflict resolution process. And people work with this process, everything from couples counseling to family therapy, to resolving issues in the workplace, to working with communities to bring more understanding and um, and conflict resolution to community issues. So, um, and the book is you can order the book off of Amazon. It's an Amazon bestseller. It was very exciting. It was up near the top of the charts for. Uh, all right, maybe at the top of the charts for a few days there. It was very exciting. And it's also available through Congratulations.
0: And- Yay, you. <laughs> and hooray for I peace.
1: Know,
4: peace so at crazy. the top of the charts. <laughs>
1: that's,
0: that's what we want. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's exactly right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? And, and, and let's also say that really, in one way of speaking, we can say that the shaman's work is to make peace between the warring parts of the individual person.
4: That's true. That's right. Well, a big part of the in traditional shamanic practice, you don't have that idea so much that there's inner conflict um, that, or methods for inner conflict um, necessarily. Um, but in coming to peace, uh, the, in the method that we work with here in the West, there is a whole process that is about resolving conflict between the self um one of the um one of the subtitles that I wanted to have for the book is that external conflict is driven by inner conflict um, but we call we instead we called it resolving conflict within ourselves and with others so um And one of the nice things about the book is that Tuktin Jimpa, who is um, His Holiness the Dalai Lama's main English language interpreter, wrote the foreword for the book, and he gives a beautiful teaching um, as part of that foreword, which is, you know, well worth reading. He's a very wise and erudite man, and we're very lucky to have his teachings here as part of the book. So, um, and um, he's a person who has understood the value of peace of course working so closely with his holiness are still there? susan are you there
2: yes i am can you hear me
4: yeah there you are yeah can you, you know hear susan me? i just want i can hear you now yeah i didn't hear you there for a minute I I just wanted to take a moment, Susan, to say thank you so much for your show. It's so wonderful to hear you talking about plants. You know, I'm a big plant person myself, you know, and I was so excited when you asked me to be on the show because I didn't know about your show, and I've been listening to it and learning so much, you know, and it's, it's just wonderful that you are keeping this knowledge alive and, you know, and, and not only keeping it alive, but, you know, really, you know, blowing the embers of this wisdom so that it's becoming, you know, a well-tended fire for people to gather around and learn about the power of plants and the, you know, the importance of the connection to the earth. And it's, it's so important what you do. And I just want to thank you for all your efforts in that direction.
0: You're welcome, and you may not know that <laughs> my impulse in doing that is peace. That I think that when we work oh,
5: with people,
0: you know, I was conceived in 1945, born in the very beginning of 1946, and I can't but believe that everybody on this planet wanted peace in
4: 1945. Right,
0: right. The entire psyche of the humanity yeah. on this planet wanted peace and so i feel that my conception and my inception and my my reason for being are is peace and that
6: as we
0: care for ourselves with the common plants around us we inherently become more peaceful
4: that's right that's really true i mean plants really do have their own intelligence and i I do really feel, you know, with, uh, with the whole popularity of plant medicine and resurgence, I do think the plants are really trying to bring us back to a place of peace. I think you're absolutely right. And certainly, you know, you know, plants, you know, any kind of, you know, the chamomile, hypericum, all these different plants that do help calm and bring peace uh, within um, uh, as, uh, when we ingest them, not necessarily psychotropic plants, but all types of plants, um, you know, I think they they really do not live for themselves alone. They really are always healing, always seeking to bring balance. And I you know, just appreciate your celebration of them.
0: <laughs> always here for us, and I think that's part of why it gives rise to peace because we don't have to grasp anymore. We don't have to fear anymore. We know the it is going to be right outside our door we have come to that magic last minute that i ask you what do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds and the bellies of everyone who's listening
4: well one thing that i would like to just offer as a thought is to just become more aware of the plants around you you know there's you know there's plants growing in the cracks in the sidewalk become aware of those look for those You know, become aware of the plants that are there in the waiting room when you're waiting for the dentist. You know, become aware of the plants that are there greeting you as you, you know, go into the park or as you perhaps get out for a nice hike. Really become aware of all of the different plants and allow them to teach you and speak to you and care for you and allow yourself to know that they are there and that they they do meet you whenever you open your heart to them. Oh, thank you
0: so much. Beautiful, beautiful message. Thank you for being on the show tonight and helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. Your work is so heartfelt and so important to all of us. I appreciate you very well, much. Well,
4: thank you. Thank and, you so much, Susan. Uh, wish
0: you
5: all
0: the medicine. best. That is Yay message, right, green blessings to everybody. We'll be back next week with lots more fun. Thank
3: you, everyone. Good night.